So now I'm expecting you to buy a jersey for everyone you give a thesis to. Dude, did you actually grow up in the Pacific Northwest or what? I see fire and brimstone. You're miserable to watch it. <laughs> you, I, know, I, know. I mean, and and you you were trolling me the entire game. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about our friendship right now? Like. Welcome back to DC Seahawk Fan Talk after a uh, um, week six loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, 13 to 17 point loss. Doc, how are you feeling about the Hawks this week? Not great, not great, but uh, yeah, but I think I've had a a little bit of time to calm down (laughs) after (laughs) being very, very frustrated with that game. I am excited to to talk with you about the game and other topics. I know we took a break for the bye week, so I'm glad that we're back. And uh, yeah, but we can we can dive into the game if you want. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that. Yeah, welcome back after a, a week break. There, it was a really nice break, and uh, not very nice to come to start the season on a loss, um, not feeling ready to go, not feeling disciplined. And then after a break, uh, coming coming back to a loss, um, so not 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 a good sign, but a trend there. All coming off a break, we're not very good. Well, luckily for us, we don't have a break the rest of the way. So, yes, yeah. After, it, is after that a, a good week, thing or a bad thing? Because... After after a week by a week five by, we're um, yes, got well, a long season ahead of us, and the schedule yeah. gets harder as we go. So. Yeah, how's um? How about the doc diagnosing the defense? Let's start there. I know we have a lot to talk about on offense, but um, let's let's start yes. with defense. I'll keep the de- I'll keep this short. I I don't think I have an awardee for for this week. Not because the defense didn't play well, but I I'm I thought it was a good collective effort. So no one player stood out to me in particular. Obviously, you know, I was watching watching my boy Devin Witherspoon and, and, and appreciating his his continued development, but it, it felt like a, a very collective, strong defensive performance this week. And and so I'm in, you know, in general, pleased with with the defense. I think that's a pretty shared um uh, perspective and sentiment among the fans. The one maybe positive thing to come out of this game was was what looks like a defense that's on an upward trajectory. I did share in some texts that does that mean I have no worries about this defense? Of course not. I I think that I have a few concerns, but as you said, we have a lot to talk about, about the offense because there's some weeks and there's some games where, Hey, you know what? This is not the week to complain about the defense. So no specific already. All right, that's that's fair. I think I, I do want to you know acknowledge that you went all in on Witherspoon and, and bought the jersey. The the first, the only um active defensive player that you have a jersey for, uh, rolled up to the game, surprised us all. That was that was quite a quite a statement, as if giving a thesis to a rookie. Um, last last 
last game wasn't and it wasn't enough you we went all in so now i'm expecting you to buy a jersey for everyone you give a thesis to <laughs> so i'm expecting the trey brown uh, i love uh, it oh, jersey. Trey had another good game though that was, that was actually pretty- yeah trey does deserve a a shout out an incredible definitely pick. definitely incredible yeah. pick very um, excited about uh, trey brown. and i guess he already has one thesis so he does. He does. Yeah. So, so he's no, having- no second masters or, or, or a PhD coming for, for Trey. No, Brown. we, you know, as we talked about during the game, I think we don't have to give out a, a, a master's degree or a city uh, or a key to the city every single week. Obviously that, that, that will feel forced. So I, I, you know, coming out of this game, I just, there wasn't, there was a, there was good individual performances, but again, I, I think, uh, the defense all around looked looked pretty good, and and so excited to to hopefully continue to see this development and improvement on the side of the ball that we've had extreme frustration, worries, concerns for many years. So so I get that that's a positive takeaway from from this game. Yeah, it, it was a a little bit of a reminder that the Bengals are in a different tier than the the teams that we played. Uh, the last, you know, the weeks moving up into the the bye week, and and you can see that with your eyes, right? Like they they have talent, they're just they're they're at a different tier. So it was a good measuring stick actually for for our team at this point. That's a good point. I was going to say that too later when we're really negative on the offense. I think, yeah, we're exactly who we thought we were. We're kind of, a, you know bottom tier playoff team or a wild card team were young you know they showed the stat the the ages of a bunch of players you know all the players under the age of 22 on the screen and you know that that's exciting it looks like our arrows pointing in the right direction we're excited about some of these young guys but we're, we're still not there we're not you know and maybe we can improve over the year and and have a shot for it at the end but um it feel it feels like yeah um since since he and some some of the other teams, top tier teams, are are kind of a, a league above us. So I agree with you. There. It looks like it. I that's not what I was hoping for. That's not what any of us are hoping for. Obviously, we have, you know, we're optimistic. And I, I was listening to Brock and Sock yesterday, and mm-hmm. one of the callers had a great point, and he just captured my frustration. I, I was sick about this game, physically sick, and it's one of those kinds of games. And he said, you know what's what's frustrating is because of the opportunity. We had if we won that game, then we're then the analysts are talking about us in that same upper tier level, right? So they they haven't given a shit about the Seahawks, and understandably so. We've been beating crappy teams, so I that missed opportunity is very frustrating. Um, so now you know we're just we're literally they, they can continue to talk about us as a as a lower. <laughs> lower mid mid tier team and and maybe that's the reality so that that that's all you know of course with the the challenge of sports is we have hopes and then we have realities and and there's a space in between unfortunately so but uh like you said we have a lot to talk about do you want to uh take a little break before we get to the offense and and share a little bit about our you know our segment of the dc outpost update yeah, I, I did note your your point about being a DC specific podcast and maybe even changing our name to to DC Seahawk Fan Talk. Um, and I think 
you know, we, we've done that every episode. We've taken some time out to talk about our DC experiences as being um, Seattleites in, in DC. And um, this week you asked me to talk about my um, experience exploring the woods outside of DC and the watershed, the, the Chesapeake watershed here, and um, specifically a project I've been working on, which is to section hike the Appalachian Trail, the AT. And so, yeah, I'm happy to do that if if you still want to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is a way that I get to live vicariously through you, because as you and many of our friends know, I am a city guy through and through. Uh, nature is not meant for me. It doesn't like me when I go out and venture into it. So I uh, I really love your your uh, investment in in um, our the beautiful surroundings of D.C. that I think not many people know that we have access to to um, nature right outside of right out, outside of the city area. So I think this is a really cool um, goal that you have in your in your personal life. And I think it's it's worthy of sharing, especially in our D- DC outpost update se- segment. Okay, great. Yeah, thanks. And yeah, everyone knows that about you. Uh, <laughs> our, our few camping car camping trips uh, didn't didn't end well. So I think we're sticking to the cabins from now on or, or Costa Rica beaches for us. Um, That's perfect. for me. But yeah, it, it did start. It started about a year ago, actually, that I kind of made a decision that if I was going to be working a kind of traditional nine to five job and living on the East Coast for who knows how long, that I need to get outside and have some personal time, alone time uh, in nature. And, you know, being a West Coast, you know, I grew up on the Olympic Peninsula with the Olympic National Park as like the backdrop to my life. And I, I don't I don't think I even knew what I had. I grew up very poor. And from the rooftop of my little garage that I was living in growing up, I could see both, you know, I could see water. I could see the ocean. I could see Canada. I could see snow-capped mountains year-round, basically. And awesome. um, so, and and Squim is a very specific point. It's in a rain shadow, so there's a specific point in Squim, Washington, that gets 15 inches of rain a year. So, kind of beating the stereotypes of uh, Seattle being all rainy. Where mm-hmm. I'm from, it wasn't rainy at all. It was it was gorgeous mm-hmm. um, year-round. And then you know, coming to DC. And it's funny because everyone in Washington state thinks I'm like a, a city, you know, up and comer. I, I go back and people ask me when I'm running for president and stuff back home. And, <laughs> and in DC, everyone here thinks I'm like some hippie outdoorsman. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of have that duality about me, I guess. And yeah, so the AT, I started, I made a decision to kind of just spend some time maybe once a month or a couple times a year, at least to, to get out into the woods and kind of listen to the trees and spend time out there. And that's the other thing I'll say about living on the East coast versus living in West coast is the relation and closeness you feel to the history of the place and the, the native wisdom that is there. It's still there. It's, it's always been um, native people's land um, that were, that we have stolen. And um and, and and I I feel distant from that in in DC I I really do I really feel distant from the wisdom of the trees and the wisdom wisdom of the people that have come here before me, and so it's been really good connecting reconnecting with um 
with the trees and just spending time out there. Last winter, I went out and walked across Maryland. Uh, I'm on the on the AT. And um, this year, I've been working on Virginia, which is the largest state on the AT, over I think it's 540 miles across this across the state. So, um, so cool. yeah, I set a go- I set a goal of walking 100 miles this year, and I'm pretty close to to finishing that goal. Um, and even this last weekend, I I went and walked um, just so over 20 miles on the AT in the Shenandoah National Park. Um, Last winter, I, I learned a lot about climate um, because it was so dry. Last winter on the on the on the East Coast, it was so dry, and the trees were so dry. Um, and I know I've talked about climate change and my concerns around that on this podcast before, so I'll spare you now. But um, this year, well, this weekend, I was rained on the entire time, so I don't know what that tells you, but um, it was it was a uh, lonely and like kind of miserable hike this time and i um i i find a lot of uh um realizations come from being alone and being out in the woods so mentally mentally and and physically um really healthy and um yeah it feels like it grounds me and gives me the motivation to come back and do another week of work cool thanks for sharing about that mirror yeah even I learned uh, a few things uh, from from you sharing out about that. I did not know in Squim it didn't it didn't you didn't grow up with a, a lot of rain. But that now makes me understand why you get so bent out of shape when it sprinkles in DC, and it looks like you're gonna you're gonna lose your shit. <laughs> and I wonder, dude, did you actually grow up in the Pacific Northwest or what? But I guess yeah, it makes <laughs> sense. That there there are certain climates uh you, you know in, in that large uh, area that that you may not get all the rain uh so well i'm not you know squim's not far from the whole rainforest that has the other extreme of you know uh-huh. getting of being the the wettest place in in north america so gotcha. um yeah i, I oh. guess i have a little bit of both there on the <laughs> seattle side too but in dc when it rains i feel like it really rains it like destroys your day in seattle i don't feel i feel like you just everyone has waterproof shoes and coats and it's fine but in dc it yeah, well, like we talked about a million times, you know, in DC, what's awesome? The sun comes back <laughs> within that couple of days. Yeah, yeah, two or three days max. The the sun comes back, right. so that that is not something that you can hope for in in Seattle uh, at you know certain at certain times during the year. But uh, kudos to you, even after your hike this weekend, you rushed your butt back down to to DC to Sully's because you thought our game was a four o'clock game. Until you texted me on Saturday, <laughs> clarifying that, oh no, it's a one o'clock game. I not might might not be able to make it. So I'm glad that you the you're able to make that work, even though you're you're pretty remote. Uh, you made it back right before kickoff, so that was very impressive. Yeah, that was that was quite a rush. <laughs> I uh, I was completely soaking wet, sleeping outside that Saturday night, um, just got completely drenched and all my equipment got drenched besides for my backpack, which I have a waterproof uh, case for. So, which meant my backpack hiking Saturday morning, starting at about 7am was like 10 times heavier because it was just like all my stuff was wet and uh, wet socks. And uh, I have some incredible videos though, of like coming out on the cliffs and there's just like a the wind is just blowing the trees all over the place. And there's like a huge mist coming through all the trees. I'll send you a couple of those. They're nice. pretty wild. 
Well, okay. so you did make it right before kickoff, and we are happy for a couple of minutes before we watch this shitty ass game. So, so Mayor, I uh, know we've been putting it off. I feel like let's let's uh, let's hear your strategic vision for for this shitty offense. Okay, so we're gonna disagree. I already know we're gonna disagree. Good, good. Our listeners, I came away from that game. For this. They want disagreement. I came away from that game feeling more positive about the Seahawks. I And then, of course, we watched San Francisco lose. I said before the game, you know, I have this growing sense that we're going to have a shot at winning this division. And I watched our defense go up against Cincy, fully healthy offense. And, I, and we just talked about that and seeing, you know, feeling... Yeah, I, I still think there's some weaknesses there, especially keeping up with receivers in the middle of the field. Uh, but holding a high-powered Cincy team to 17 points and then turning to our offense over and over again, turning to our offense, being like, okay, mm-hmm. can you do it now? Can you do it now? And they didn't. They failed, and it was pretty bad. And I do want to give a, a key to the city out today, um, even with that poor um total offense performance oh, boy, because, I gotta hear this. <laughs> because there has been a you know a consistent um you know leader on this mm. offense that I want to you know give respects to even in a loss and that's um of course Tyler Lockett leading all receivers again he had he's had four seasons in a row with over a thousand receiving yards and he's on pace for that again with I think he has I don't know 258 yards or so receiving this year and had almost hundred yards um, on Sunday in a, in a really poor performance offense and not being able to get it into the end zone. We were in the red zone several times throwing two picks. Um, and I know we disagree on, on one of those, but throwing two picks and, and then really hurting ourselves offensively with penalties and, I mean, both both DKs after the play push again. We've already talked about that, and and then I thought I thought the block in the back from um, Walker was a rookie immature block and really really hurt us and killed another drive. And the and then the last thing I want to talk about on offense is the offensive line, which we praised just last week or last game two weeks ago now. We praised, and then Gino had no time, got sacked four times, um, threw two picks, which is, you know, an entire team stat, and I think was pressured, you know, or got hit 19 times. So really, really brutal game um, for Gino um, getting beat up back there and still threw for over 300 yards. He had 324 yards throwing. Um and that that the one pick to the to the right sideline there was just never open, and I feel like he was just throwing it the whole time and didn't really read the safety at all on it. So that's kind of my thought, and I do want to give Tyler Lockett his his due respect. And um, like so, like so now I've given I've given the offensive line coach a key to the city. I've mm-hmm. given Walker a key to the city, and now I've given Lockett a key to the city, and I do feel like that tells you about our team that, you know, Gino and 
mm. DK Metcalf haven't actually stepped up and lived up to their potential or our hopes for them this year. Not yet. So mm. that's where we're at. We're, we're relying on these, you know, really good players, but we haven't really had leaders step up and this offense really start clicking together yet. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the, the key to the city to Tyler. Of course. I love Tyler. Uh, you know, I, I, he's one of two current <laughs> active players that I have the Jersey for, and yeah, he's just steady Eddie, you know, um, on this team and, uh, he's quiet, uh, but but quiet, and then I think that that makes him partly underappreciated, right? Like I, I think uh, both, even you know, well, we know I think as a fan base how important he is, but you know he gets no love from from <laughs> any media outside of our local area. So yeah, we're we're gonna disagree because that's a very positive <laughs> take on the offense. I love how there's 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 been some. Uh, revisionist uh, discussion about about the second pick that Gino threw because DK said he took the blame for that. I don't care. He threw it into triple coverage. So I, I watched that that play uh, several times. And yeah, DK did not cut it off, but there was three defenders there. So even if DK went the right in the right direction, maybe that's another pick anyway, or at least again, it's Gino's decision making. That that that's what's very concerning right actually uh, there's a comparison he's starting to feel like Jameis Winston to me so he's like boom or bust because I agree with you some of the uh, the the um receptions that he had some of the throws that he had in that game some of the most beautiful tight window throws you'll ever see and we love that without the two picks right? <laughs> without the backbreaking picks uh in a, in a in a game on the road where you know we all know like when you're playing a tough team on the road the number one thing is you cannot beat yourself with turnovers and penalties and bonehead mistakes and and yeah that's that's really frustrating for this team I now am I benched you know no uh, I was saying that during the game just yeah yeah can we can we can we do a timeout and just talk about that for a minute you when we're losing uh, a, a close game, even you know, a game that we had a chance to win. You're miserable to watch a game. <laughs> you, <laughs> I, know, I, know. I mean, and and you you were yeah. trolling me the entire game. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about our friendship right now? Like, we 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 had a moment. We had a you know a come to Jesus moment. Even though I hate that term, during the you know last couple years of of the Russ tenure in in Seattle where you were like, you can't talk negative about Russ anymore. You're being too negative and you're just, it's making <laughs> watching the games not fun anymore because <laughs> I was so out on, on, on Russ, right. you know, from the, for the last five years of his time there. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we're getting close to that point with, with making fun of, of DK and Gino yelling bench Gino in the middle of the game when we're like three points down, four points down in the fourth quarter is, is uh, pretty rough for, for me to handle. Okay. Yes. And, and that's fair. And uh, I mean, I don't mean it, right. <laughs> that's, that's literally right. That's, that's a fair because I, I want Gino to be good. I, because I'm a fan of the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not a fan of Gino. I'm not a fan of DK. I'm not you know, a fan of these individual individual players. I su- support them in the way that they help our team win. Right. And so that's the problem, right? So very frustrated. And, and I hope you can speak to DK's continuing issues 
this, I mean, oh my God. And his very ridiculous excuses that he makes after the game, he was, he was blocking, but he couldn't hear the, the whistle down, down. Anyone can see right through that, that, that sees that, that saw, uh, saw that play and saw what he did, especially because the, the Bengals, they had a, a statement after the game that they had a, they had a game plan for him and that was to try to bully the bully. So they were, they were definitely, they assigned one player to him to be on him the whole game, to be physical with him. So obviously that was, that got frustrating to DK as he, he, he's so easy to get, wait, to be provoked. Wait, I just want to say, I just want to put a pin in that because I don't think it's every week someone tries to bully the bully. D- DK no. gets in these pushing matches every oh, single right, right. week. So that's not new. What's, what's new and what happened this game is that he was getting frustrated because he wasn't getting the ball. And we talked about it. He had he had like one catch in the first half. I mean, he wasn't getting targeted even in the first half. And he feels right. like he's a top receiver and he's not getting the ball. And well, that's really selfish. And yeah, I totally ridiculous. agree. And, and, <laughs> of, and of course, like reacting that way just makes us worse. You know, we we, we need to find ways for to channel that frustration into a positive you know go knock somebody over and when you have the ball or something which he does every time he has the ball which is why i love him uh but well and i also like him blocking as a receiver that is important but that what he's been doing is not that he's been being an asshole and costing the team and and talk no no so like back to the false equivalence that you made about canine uh but uh one random block in the back is not immaturity it's not it's not a personality deficit what DK oh i don't mean to equate playing. those two things i know well, there I mean, different you're, types you're of plays but they did kill i mean it was well a, yeah that's a that was a mistake the, what the penalties did, overall yeah absolutely absolutely uh sometimes a block in the back or a lot of times especially for someone that doesn't have a track record of of like you know poor decision making it's just he was trying hard you know he was trying hard to to you know to block for his teammate and unfortunately that was a clear obvious block in the back but i i mean it's just it it is frustrating because of of course it's damaging the team that that, that's the most important thing and and again back to a a a tough game on the road you can't do that (laughs) you just absolutely can't do that when our offense right is is we need some we need it to click we need momentum um and those are literally backbreaking uh situation and plays those penalties so i don't know do you this he's your boy so do you have a what's what's the solution with him? the dk well i like the idea that you just mentioned about using him in the blocking game i wonder if you could almost you could sense when he's getting frustrated and could design a play specifically maybe a sweet play or something over to his side so he can just go hit three people legally and put, <laughs> and put like put walker behind him you know running the ball something like that i i think um and then also you know this gets to pete coach pete and and hmm. the pete carroll's discipline of teams has like been a, a constant problem with our team for the entire time he's been there um you know penalties false starts you know after the play stuff fights um and then losing after a bye week you know when we had all the time in the world to prepare for this game get get ready do you feel like and then that first drive tells you that first drive we march down the field and score very long slow drive Mm -hmm. shows you that like we had a script we had a plan and then it falls apart and then we we don't it seems like come fourth quarter we don't have any plan we're just 
sitting Gino in the pocket as it's collapsing within two seconds and doing it over and over and over again. And you were, you know, the other thing that we were disagreeing about on Sunday was, you know, running the ball and the percent that we're running the ball, you know? Yeah. And okay. Let's look, let's look at this and get in the stats. Um, Kenneth Walker had 19 carries. Yeah. On 18 of those carries, he had 41 yards. Uh Yeah. So he, he, he's, he's, he's averaging over and over again. We were running him right up the middle and he was getting two yards. He, for the game, he had one that he broke free for 21 yards. So that, that brought him with 19 carries for 62 yards. That's not an efficient running game. And, and, and we were actually running the ball over, over a third of the plays were running plays. It's not just about the amount of the, that's not the point I was making. It's, getting in a rhythm of running staying committed to the run game so the run game looked looked good at the beginning but they abandoned it and they they just go past past like heavy and so it's not it's how you it's how you mix in run and pass and totally and i agree so, with some of the play calling criticism i totally agree with it especially was just obvious the so half. then yeah they're pass 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 and then like it was so obvious the run play and then he got stuffed and that that wasn't how it was that wasn't the the flow of how things were at the beginning especially that first drive and- i just want to i just want to like make make us aware of something though that his numbers in his advanced stats of of walker running up the middle are very very bad and all of his big plays are coming from the outside, including in that first drive that you just mentioned. Two of those weren't running plays. Two of those were little yeah. dump offs where uh-huh. he broke around the corner and got big plays. He had three catches. I have it right here. He had three catches for 27 yards. Mm-hmm. And I think two of those were in the first drive. So that like using him in, in these other creative ways or him being right. able to bounce outside and then turn and cut up field. He's incredible at turning and cutting up field. Um, and, and once he gets into the secondary, he's, I, I love him too. He's a power runner once he's in the secondary, but up the middle through this offensive line hasn't been working that well. And, and so that yeah. throws off the offense because there's no, we're not running the ball well. So, so, and, 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 and Gino doesn't have any time in the pocket and he's, you know, likely to, when he's under pressure, you know, make a bad decision, whether it's him trying to escape out of the back of the pocket and taking a bad sack, which he's done a couple times this yeah. year or him throwing, you know, forcing something and i feel like he was forcing play forcing throws and i'm not you know making an excuse for him i'm saying you know and 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 the reality is is metcalf is gonna do as well as this offense is going to do and if metcalf is struggling that's a that's a clear symbol that our offense is struggling and Lockett is the exact opposite. Lockett is steady eddie it doesn't matter if we're doing really bad or really good he's gonna do what he does no, no, no. I, I don't agree with that because I, I I think what is when we have two legit top receivers, there are games when the other team says we're not going to allow DK to beat us. And so who does that help? Tyler. Right. And then we also see the exact opposite sometimes. Right. There's some, some games are like, dude, Tyler hasn't touched the ball <laughs> like this whole you know, it's three quarters and he hasn't touched the ball because the team is, you know, the defense is saying we're taking him away. DK beat us. And and it's great when, you know, when that happens. But again, back to DK's attitude, he's he, he's got to accept that as what's best for the team, because that that is just a reality. And and just, you know, again, um, be OK with that, because 
that that's just what the, we're taking what the defense is giving us. You know. Okay, I, I want to add a little nuance there because I, I I I I don't think DK has ever not celebrated a locket touchdown or ever been a bad teammate oh, no, or not. No. But but it's when he's struggling oh, and the team is struggling. The offense is struggling and he's getting frustrated. So. Sure. Yeah. His success and the team's success are like intertwined. And I agree that they like kind of, you know, teams kind of pick one or the other to take out of the game. Yeah. And it's actually a, a sign of respect to DK that they're choosing to take DK exactly. out of the game. They have been yeah. doing that all year. And, you know, the single, you know, I feel like single drives he's broken free and gotten like three or four catches, you know, was because teams were playing differently and they regret that and switch back right away. He hasn't had an entire, a complete game. He's had like one drive where they, you know, had where he would have multiple targets or something. uh, Again. Yeah, there is, I agree with you about your earlier point is, is we can't look at one Thing in isolation with the offense or anything in a football game or with the football team so again yeah back to the line of course yeah i think i think um it, it was not a fully healthy line even the, the you know the guys that were in i think three of the players were playing with injuries um it's not the it's not our starting line so um current is still in for Abe lucas and again back to the original point is yeah the our backups did okay against a certain tier of teams in this league mm-hmm. what we found out on sunday was that's not that's not sustainable for for playing again these more upper level tier teams like the Bengals. and we just saw it that was a rude awakening so we really need uh lucas back and we just we, we need a, a healthy line so that you know and of course that that's linked to everything else yeah Geno Sachs the, the, the picks everything so the the run game uh and so just hopefully this is that's that that's going to happen is we're going to we're going to be healthy uh, on the line soon um and that's going to hopefully have positive effects everywhere totally yeah I think um, I actually do think we'll bounce back from that. I can't imagine our offense looking like that. And and, and we are putting up, you know, Gino again, put up over 300 yards, 324 yards. So it's not like our offense is completely dead. I feel like we died in the, in the red zone a couple of times and had to, you know, uncharacteristic turnovers as much as we might disagree about the nature or why those happened. And I do think DK stopped running on that one, but the, um, you know, that's not going to happen every week and hasn't happened every week. And if this offensive line can do a little bit better at getting the run running game going and and giving Gino a little bit less pressure where where he's not at his best, you know, I, I still haven't seen a good Gino game, you know, where he's just looking sharp and he's getting not a full game. Fast. No, exactly. No, there's he's had some beautiful throws, but yeah, we need. Right. We need him to play a consistent game the whole game and, and yeah, not turn the ball over. That's like literally Pete's one of the Pete's most important principles is, is not turning the ball over. And I, I resent the, um, the Jameis Winston reference you made earlier. I just want to say Jameis Winston, uh, through, uh, I think, what was, was it? Was it 30? <laughs> was it 30 picks that one year? Um, again, I so, don't want to see that because that means our team is going to be trash. But I I need Gino to stop throwing these damn picks. That so would be that- two picks every single game. So okay, calm down. Gino had two picks in one game, and we can. Disagree I, I really yeah. Part of why I was also frustrated with this game is before the game started, I I I predicted that Gino was going to bounce back, and that the what we've seen from him in previous weeks was not truly <laughs> him. 
Right. And I want that, of course, because we're, you know, when this team goes where Gino goes, I, I, I back to, yes, I, I know I can, I can be really annoying <laughs> and, um, and ridiculous during the games when I'm really frustrated. No, if Drew, Drew Locke comes in and Gino gets benched at some point in the season, we're effed. <laughs> so that's the mm-hmm. very last thing that I want to see happen uh, with this team. Well, with that, I'll say the NBA is about to start back up the 2023-2024 season. Uh, This will be the 15th season in a row without the NBA champion city of Seattle having a team. This is a disgrace the entire league. Bring back the Sonics. Absolutely. Here, here. And much love to the DCs and the Seahawks fans all around the globe. Go Hawks. And uh, before we sign off, uh, I'd be remiss without acknowledging the fact that the death toll in Gaza and the West Bank is 2,383 people. And this is a horrible injustice um, that this level of uh, massacre and genocide is happening um, from the Israeli government in the Gaza Strip, which is an open air. And I don't say prison because prisons are for places where people are charged with crimes. To me, this is an open air uh, concentration camp. And uh, so I want to express my um, deep desire for peace, uh, hopefully. And I'm glad to see some of our politicians starting to push for that. Uh, but as a, as a going away message, free Palestine. Thank you, Richard, for uh, making this space and every space uh, related to the social justice issues of our day and um, centering that. I really think that's important. So I appreciate you. And I did want to do some thank yous as we leave. Um, thank you to Pooja for finally watching a Seahawks game this year um, at a bar. Not the right bar, but it's OK. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Jamie, our, our Cincy fan, for coming and watching with us and being a good sport and um, beating me in both the, the real NFL and also in fantasy. And um, thank you all for listening and, and thank you, Richard.